Hey, welcome back to God's Glory and Men's Real Stories. I'm your host, Robert Moore III, and I'm excited that you would join us today for another great episode. If you're new to this community, I want you to know that you matter here and your story matters to us, no matter what chapter you're in. So today I want you to sit back with a community that cares about you and hopes that you feel God's love as well as see God's glory in men's real stories. So my special guest today is a brother who is a naturally gifted writer and storyteller who holds nothing back. And I'm happy to sit down with him today to see where God has taken his story in this season. So I want to welcome my brother, Michael Garcia, to the show. Thank you, Rob. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, thank you so much for, for, for sitting down today with mm-hmm. me and taking the time out. It's my pleasure, man. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's jump right in. I'm going to have you introduce yourself to my audience. You sure? Yes, yes. They, they okay. would love they, they love to know who I'm sitting across from. It, it, it helps them connect with you. All right. Well, <laughs> let me just begin by saying uh, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the platform that you're giving men to share their stories. My name is Michael Garcia. I'm a simple dude from the Bronx. Um, born and raised in New York City. Been living in Charlotte now for about 21 years. Um, there are many different titles that I go by. Uh, okay. I used to be in the financial services sector. I am a sports addict. I'm a coach, former athlete as well. Uh, and now I've segued out of financial services, out of that life into more of the creative space. Mm. I still have a day job because we need to have that right. day job. <laughs> right. uh, but I am a poet author and now a playwright i also mentor uh i'm a certified life coach as well so i do multiple things on top of being a husband dad granddad and all of the above wow so i, I feel even more privileged just sitting across <laughs> from me right now because with all those hats it's like yo you know a lot of times it's hard to find time to actually mm-hmm. have the capacity to do these type of type of situations where you sit down with people and mm-hmm. share yourself more with people when you shared yourself so much already. Mm-hmm. So, wh- wh- like, where does that take you nowadays? Like, what does that look like in your life? And how has that, um, like, what becomes, like, more of a priority? Do you ever find yourself having to, like, pick and choose? Uh, no, because I've been very adept at compartmentalizing. I've been able to do it in my personal life and my career, merging the two. I believe heavily in work-life balance. So I'm able mm-hmm. to do that. And my family understands the path that we're on now is one where we're reaching the masses through art. Mm. We're being creative with the words that I write, and that has led me to this space, and we'll talk about it a little later, the play that I wrote, right? That um, allows me to minister through word, Mm. minister through poetry, minister through um, stage play. Um, But I always make time for family. I always make time to decompress, and I'm really big on getting my rest because uh, I've suffered through burnout. I know what that looks like, and um, one of the things that we need as people Mm-hmm. is the opportunity to say, you know what, I'm going to stop. So I'm really good at that. Right, right. No, that's that. And that I, I'm glad you said that because that is so important because I noticed in, in a lot of our communities, you know, burnout is, is like almost like a, a word that's not even real because rest is another word that, that is not believed in when it comes to like, okay, well, like as a hustler, there is no rest for the hustler. It's interesting that you say that because I think that's a misnomer. I think when we talk about, we use these phrases in our community, right? right. The grind, I'm a hustler and all that. Well, are you doing busy work? Mm. Or are you doing work that's productive? Um, I come from a discipline where there's some project management to it. There's some uh, technologies that are involved in what I do. And one of those things is you want to eliminate waste. And if you're doing just busy work, that's activity. and may look good to, on the surface, but what are you accomplishing? Um, I like to be efficient. 
Right, right. No, that makes so, <laughs> that makes so much sense, and, and 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 that that truly helps drive what you're doing instead of like continuously having to take pit stops because you won't take them yeah. yourself, and that's so important. So, like, where, like, as you kind of walked into this space mm-hmm. of like, like, like storytelling, stage, you know, you know, uh, uh, creating, writing, and creating mm-hmm. content, uh, or, or as, as as an artistry. What what kind of like bridged you into that? What took you from what you're doing previously to now? Well, the f- funny thing about that is that I was always a cl- creative. I was always a closet creative. I always had the knack and the ability to be a natural storyteller, gifted writer. Um, but my generation, my age group, we were taught to get a job, get that gold watch after 25, 30 years, mm. right? Um, so I did that. I landed in financial services um, because my mother was a community bank in the Bronx. My mother was a community bank at a time when women were nothing but secretaries. So to see her walk, walk up and down the neighborhood and people, merchants, greeting her, it enamored me. And it said, you know what? I like that. She got me my first job as a bank teller. Nice. And that went into a 30-year career. Um, but it was because the mentality for my age group was get a job, stick with the companies. So I built this financial services career from a bank teller to a registered representative to a financial advisor to a marketing communications, you name it, I've done it in corporate. But I always had that bent towards the arts. Um, I got my fix because the roles that I had always allowed me to talk. And as you'll determine in this interview, you can see that I can talk. Right, right. Uh, it always helps. Uh, it, it helps. <laughs> uh, so I was always in positions where I had to do presentations or public speaking or some sort or writing. And then the marketing aspect of it. Um, so I got my fix, but it was all for an organization, a company, a corporation. Uh, and then in the last 10 years or so, I started branching out and working with folks here in Charlotte who had venues and they needed someone to represent the venue as a host or maitre d and i was invited to do so and that opportunity to open up doors for me to be around creatives and when you're around creatives you become creative yourself more so and you start thinking the way i do is if i had mine how would i do it because rob what, what you do learn is what to do and what not to do so that was always being built uh and then the pandemic hit I always journaled. I always wrote. I kept a catalog of poetry. And uh, I was working at this one particular venue. And we had an open mic. And I decided to get on stage. And that was around the end of 2019, 2020. And the rest, as they say, is history. And Mm. we'll get into that a little later. But I was always a creative. I just happened to operate under a different umbrella until the opportunity came. Mm, gotcha. Okay. Okay. And, and you know what? I, I realized how how important it is sometimes to put yourself in different settings because sometimes you don't know what's in you until you get around people who will bring it out of you. And a lot of times think about how we're so used to what we're comfortable with <laughs> that we'll stay in our comfort zone around the people who have kind of already fostered who we are. Mm-hmm. And, and so I love how you said, you know, putting yourself around other creatives it it helped you realize that wow like wait a minute i i i've got something in me that's burning to come out too and so like do you feel like that that what what was there has always been there oh yeah 
Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I've been telling stories my whole life. Um, I've always been a visual person. Um, I, I'm the individual that can visualize myself on a stage. I've envisioned myself on a stage or a platform my entire life. So for me, having this conversation here is natural. I've envisioned this. Being on a stage, I've envisioned that. Being in front of 500, 10,000, it doesn't matter. I've already envisioned that. Uh, again, going back to my corporate life, whenever I was asked to do presentations, I've done presentations in the kitchen and talked about your financial futures, or I've done them in an auditorium. Right. So I've already envisioned all that, and I had a natural inclination. I'm the individual that if you say, Mike, I need you to do a presentation, okay, give me the content, and I go. Right. So it's always been a natural thing, and it's, uh, it is a blessing because it is one of the gifts, and when we have these gifts, we have to figure out how to use those gifts, how to give them back and utilize them, and... I believe that we don't need to be shy that we have these gifts. Mm-hmm. I know I'm a natural um, storyteller. I know that I can um, present myself. I know that I can write. Those are the things that I know I'm naturally gifted at. Everything else ancillary to that, I learn. Mm, so true. That's good. No, that's really good. So then, you, you know, with, with hearing all that, then <laughs> it's funny because there's always a story behind. Ah, yes. Uh, <laughs> like, 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 like what got you to that? Because I feel like a lot of time. Our talents, mm-hmm. our gifts, they're almost like a, there's something that started boiling due to a lot of the experiences we've mm-hmm. been through, due to a lot of what we have seen and what kind of uh, adjusted us in life. Okay. So, like, what do you feel? And I know you, you spoke a lot about, like, how your mother mm-hmm. was, a, was, was a big, like, like, she was, I guess, a lot of times I like to say they were the focal point of who we looked up to be and said, okay, all right. Noted. Mm-hmm. Like that's I, I like what I'm seeing here. I want to do that. Mm-hmm. I want to mimic this. So we mimic what we have always been around, even mm-hmm. though sometimes I, I love the phrase of, you know, hey, look, uh, uh, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> okay. But it's so much easier to do mm-hmm. as you do, because I can sit back and watch that. Right. Where listening to you, you say, hey, look, don't do this. So that doesn't always capital- mm-hmm. cap- capsulize. So w- what was it? You know, in your upbringing, what was it that that really kind of like allowed you to experience things that kind of set a tone for like, mm, okay, okay, wow, I didn't see that, okay, but that helped me. Well, I will tell you, uh, a few moments ago, I mentioned we learned what to do and what not to do. Um, I grew up in a household that was all women. I had a great grandmother, mm-hmm. grandmother, and mother, and no father in the house. So. My education, as far as manhood, came from the streets. Mm. Right, so that's one aspect of it. And my mother, although she was my hero, and she was a banker, and she was an athlete, mm. was also a paranoid schizophrenic. Mm. She, was also diag- she was diagnosed later in life, but we never knew what was wrong with her. So in my mind, um, one of the things that you learn not to do is you don't want to be that. And so you have to find ways. She never talked about it. Her generation never talked about mental health or mental well-being. It was just something's wrong with that person. She, mm, right. you know, she's out there, something's loony with her, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a struggle that I saw because in the long run, the more things didn't work out for her, the faster she went down this tunnel, right? Mm-hmm. And she couldn't get herself back out of it. And I always kept that in the forefront. So I wrote a lot. I always journaled. I always wrote mm-hmm. poetry. I always kept um, a. I always kept the book <laughs> with me, right? right? I always write, 
um, because that was my way of escaping and kind of documenting my life. Right. Um, she did not have an outlet. She did not know that. And then um, I saw the remnants of that, and I fought hard not to become that. Right, um, right. So. So, so now you have to like kind of unpack how important journaling is for me because yeah. see, growing up a lot of times, you know, I saw, I was, I was laughing in an interview where I was thinking about how like back then the only person I saw ever writing in a journal was like my sister and it was called a diary. And so, you know, as men, you know, it, it, I've never seen a manly diary with a lock and key, you know, <laughs> like that wasn't something that we saw that we were like, oh, I'm attracted to that. Let me get one of those. So journaling wasn't a, a thing we saw until we did see it. And then we tried to kind of understand why is so why do I need to write down? My, why do I need to write down what's going on? So could you unpack that a little bit for the listeners that may? Sure. I will tell you that, you know, journaling is a relative new, relatively new term, right, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, back to your point, they call it a diary uh, writing. I just wrote. Right, I, right. You know, I keep things real simple. I just wrote. I just wrote my thoughts, what I was feeling, my anger, my pain, uh, my joy, my ups and downs. I just wrote. And then I would wrote. Um, I have a poetic flow to the way that I speak and the way that I interact with people. So it was natural for me. So I just wrote. I would write stories. I would write on uh, the heartaches. Um, so I didn't know I was journaling right. until someone told me years later that. You didn't have a name to it. Just I didn't have a name. That you needed there was a thing called out. journaling, right? Right. Um, but for me, it was just writing it out. And whether you call it journaling, diary, whatever you call it, for me, the escape of writing has been beneficial because it has opened doors for me. Mm-hmm. And when I mean it has opened doors, the pen and the paper uh, um, will never judge me. And that's actually one of my lines. Mm-hmm. The pen and the paper will never judge me. Wow. And I just was able to be free with it. And I can say whatever I want. Right, right. There's power in words. That's so true. That's that's good. And I love your perspective on that and that the pen and the paper will never judge me because you're right. It never stops you to say, wait, you can't say that. Or no, 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 no. That's, that's not politically correct. That's exactly Or right. yeah, that's so good. That's that's I, I've never seen it that way, but that that is so good. That is really good. So with with, with knowing that, because I, I think that a lot of us look at the people around us growing mm-hmm. up and sometimes we can say, OK, I don't want to be anything like exactly. that. Or I don't want to go through that. But I think a lot of times it pushes us into a to to almost like the other side of the pendulum and that, OK, in not being like that, then I have to adjust who I am. I have to I have to change a little bit of who I may be. Mm-hmm. And there may be a lot of me in my mom or my dad, mm-hmm. but I'm going to because I, I, I can speak personally in that. There were a lot of pieces of my mom and dad who I, I didn't want to be anything like. Right. And so I, I, I worked so hard to make sure I was the opposite of that. But I feel like in a lot of aspects that also made me change a lot of parts of me that were just. That's OK to be that way, Rob. It's mm-hmm. OK to, to sit with that or it's OK to look at what you're feeling, the same thing, the same feelings your parents are feeling mm-hmm. and lean into that instead of like just running from it and saying, okay, well, I won't be that. Yeah. I can't be that. Mm-hmm. No way. So like, how, how did, like when it came to like you sitting with yourself and a lot of this stuff, mm-hmm. how did that kind of play out? I think it's still playing out to be honest mm. with you. Um, I'm a man of a certain age and I believe that a lot of this is playing out because now I'm more receptive and open to, uh, 
what I know more about myself now, right? Mm. Um, you don't know what you're going through when you're going through. You don't know what you're experiencing while you're experiencing until after you come past it. And, you know, my mother's uh, passed away several years ago, and I sit back now and wish that she was here so that she can see the side. My mother always asked me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I would tell her, I don't know. Mm. And it would frustrate her. And for me, if I had the opportunity now, I can tell her, this is what I am. I'm a writer. Mm. I'm a storyteller. I'm a poet. I'm this. I'm a mentor. And those things that I didn't know were in me until afterwards. Uh, so from the perspective of the watching the adults, right, the parents, um, you don't know because you're just trying to grow. Right. You, you, you're right. just trying to make it. You think that you know more than they do. Right. Um, I have children. I have grandchildren. <laughs> so they all think they know more than me. But it does come back full circle. And they eventually have to come back and say, yo, dad, can I ask your questions? Sure. That being said, um, I miss that because my mother, grandmother, and not having a father, I didn't have the opportunity. So I had to figure things out a lot on my own. And sometimes when you're trying to figure things out, you're figuring those things out from the wrong sources. Mm. Especially when you're in the inner city, especially when you grew up in the time that I did in Bronx and Harlem, where our role models were not ideal. Mm. So you pick up these things, and now you're, you have the good, you have the bad, and then you have you. Yeah. So it's a dichotomy that you have to navigate and you don't know that you're navigating right. it because you're just trying to be. Right. So you try to figure out. And it didn't help in my case that I got skipped in school two years, twice. Oh. So wow. I was always around older individuals. So for me to try to keep up, I tried to do what they were doing right. to impress and show that I'm cool. But in hindsight, if I had to tell anyone, no, don't go away to college at 16. Oh, because you're going to be in a situation that you're not familiar with and you're going to try to do what others are doing. So I had to learn um, myself during that process. And right. uh, while on one end it was a blessing, you know, wow, he's intelligent, he's smart, he's got the education. But you put yourself in a situation where now you're forced to grow up a lot quicker. Right. And that was already there. Right. Growing up in the inner city, you grow up much quicker anyway. Right. So. Right, and you can see by this great beard, yeah. yeah. So, I, so we talking, we 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 talking, you know, we, yeah, we no. talking way back. So, yeah, well, no, and you know what? Everything you said was spot on because I feel like I have those same conversations with my son. Where uh -huh. I'm constantly telling him, like, look, you know, in knowing yourself and being self aware, you yes. can recognize whether you're the leader of the line or whether you're just following after everybody else. And and there comes a time where you have to you're going to have to stand on your own and know who you are, not who your friends are, not you, because right now you y'all you all look very much mm -hmm. the same. Wow, y'all 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 do everything the same. Got the same mannerisms. It's almost like which one of you is the leader that actually kind of like spoke this into existence with you guys? <laughs> because I, I see it a lot. And so when you're not self aware, it does create this space where you're kind of like. Well, I don't know. Who is my role model? We start looking around for role models. And our role models are sometimes the person who's doing the best, regardless what he's doing the best at. Okay. Like, okay, the guy looks successful. It may not be legal. It may not okay. be good. But I needed somebody to look up to. And he, that's as far as my block goes. That's who's there. And that is exactly. I'm going to. And that is exactly what happens. Um, I will tell you this. The one thing that I, as I'm listening to you, mm -hmm. right, and your 
asking the questions, but you're always also uncovering things. One of the things that I will tell you that I knew from a very early age is I was never afraid to tell people I'm not doing that, though. Mm. So part of me, yes, tagged along. Mm -hmm. But part of me always decided to take a stand. Mm. Um, Malcolm X let us know that if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. There it is. I was never afraid to take a stand. And to this day, I will take a stand when I believe that I need to. And that in this current environment means for me that there are opportunities that people present that they think are opportunities, but it may not be an opportunity for me. And I'm okay with saying no. I knew that early on. Right. I didn't know how to manage it. I did not, didn't know how to dispense it fully. But now as a full-blown man, I do know how to. Mm. Um, so there are opportunities that come my way that I just tell people, no, nah, that's not for me. Right, right, right. That's good. No, that's really good. So then, you know, I, it's, it's funny because I know a lot of times in the inner city, um, g- being, uh, um, I won't say I was from the inner city, uh, living, I'm from Charlotte. And so living here mm-hmm. and growing up in a, in a, in a, as you could say, an area where it, a lot of people gravitate to the fact that there's fast money out here. There's different things for us. What are we going to choose? What are we right. going to do? I want to look that way. What do you, how do you feel like, and when did you have an impression, especially when it comes to like your own, I, I know you got to a point with your, your mental health mm-hmm. where it, it, it made a huge impression on you, but what about your spiritual health? How did sure. that play a part in your life? Well, I was, I'll go back to the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm of Puerto Rican descent, uh, my grandmother, uh, dabbled in all type of religions if you would mm-hmm. um there was catholicism there was uh religions from cuba that they call santaria uh there was all type of stuff but i was never religious mm, okay. um and since we talking about that for me the only reason that i even learned about god or the lord was i was chasing tail i was mm. chasing after a, a young lady and that led me to go into this space where okay I'm there for one purpose, right? but the more I was around the word, the more I was around the choir, the more I was around the singing and the preaching, ultimately, there was a change in my heart. Right. Um, so for me, there was no religious, no real religious upbringing. It was by design that I was chasing one thing and I was caught up in Wow. Yeah, exactly. Now, along that, along the journey, um, you know, you go up and down. Right. You oh, vacillate. Yeah. Um, I've evolved. Um, there used to be a time that I was in ministries where if you breathe the wrong way, you were going to hell. Mm, yes. Right? I've been there. <laughs> yeah. I've been in that. Right. <laughs> I've been there. I've been on the other side where, well, what, what y'all doing in the back drinking? I've been in that side. Oh, you know, wow. so, so I've yeah. seen anything and everything. Yeah. Um, but where I'm at now is a place of understanding more of, I was always a scholar. I was always a reader. I always understood. I was able to teach and, and, and do all of those things, prison ministry, street corner ministries. And I will tell you, the street corner on 125th is different than the street corner in Charlotte. I will tell you that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, you mentioned that, you know, you're in a city. Uh, there's right. a little different. Yo, oh, I can believe it. But it was by happenstance. And I think what I've learned, there's an evolution to this thing. Right. Um, I'll give you a great example of the play I wrote. Mm -hmm. While some may not think of it as ministry, it is ministry because I'm giving back the talent 
that I was naturally gifted with mm. of writing, right. storytelling, right. telling it like it is, right. and then putting a message in there because of my professional training. I have a master's in adult education and training. So when I couple all of these elements together, what happens is you get a story with a message mm-hmm. with a call to action. Right. So, and I give it back to God. I say, you use these words. Mm. You know, it may not feel nice. It may not sound nice. Right. But if you're trying to rescue someone who is drowning, do they care what color the preserver looked like? That's so good because you're right. It doesn't even matter. I don't even remember what color it was. I just remember that I grabbed hold of it and it saved my life. That is so good. So that's where I'm at. And, you know, I've been, uh, you know, I... I will tell you that I have seen a lot when it comes to this thing we call church and ministry Mm, and all that behind the scenes. And I do make reference to it uh, in the play. Okay. And I won't go into too much detail, but I will say that if you're going to write a story, if I'm going to write a story, and I'm going to tell the truth, I'm going to tell the truth and the whole truth. So there is segments in the play where I'm going at the church. I'm going at corporate. Right. I'm going at why our kids have to chase the fast money. Right, right. Things of that sort. And what the consequences of that could look like. Because we cannot sugarcoat the truth. So right, yes. No, and, and, and you're so right about that because you're right. There are a lot of aspects where in, in the search for community, whether it be at, 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 at our, in our work community, in the church community, a lot of times there are certain communities that can poison us just as much as us staying in the street. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of things that look good or we are believed that they are good because of the name that's put on it, whether mm. it be a job or or it be a, a ministry, the church religion and religion can sometimes be spin in a way to where you're like, I expected to walk in here and be accepted mm. for myself. I expected to come in here and see people who were living a life of righteousness that I could seek after so mm-hmm. I could look up to something outside of what I've been doing. Mm-hmm. And I, I I totally understand that we are all imperfect. Yeah. But a lot of times we're shepherded by people who have a way of saying, I could probably use the shepherd. I could probably be shepherd better myself, but I'm going to do my best to lead this flock the way I'm living right now. And mm-hmm. sometimes there's a moment where I think we all need to have that self-awareness to say, you know what? I I don't know mentally, emotionally, yeah. uh, uh, spiritually, if I'm in a space to do this. Because as you kind of referenced earlier, I've seen things where it's like that that didn't quite seem like what I expected yeah. from this. And then there's the other side where it's like the fear tactic of if you don't do that right, you're going to hell. And it's like, whoa. Yeah. So is there any room for me to like <laughs> slip up here? Like, because I, I feel like we still have a lustful, we, we, we all still have that thing, that, that thorn in our side yes. that says, hey, look, this is, and, and, and I tell people, even on my walk with God, he recognizes that thorn is still there. Yeah. I still struggle with that. But even in the midst of that, he's given me grace to say, even in struggling, I appreciate that you, you, you at least attempt to surrender your flesh to me on a daily basis Mm -hmm. to realize what I want to do through you, through this ministry, you know, through your ministry Mm -hmm. in different ways to where it's like, yeah, I, I, I appreciate you. You, you at least 
knowing that that I'm not going to be perfect and you still love me and that relationship is intact, even if it's not intact with the church. It's interesting that we kept throwing the word perfect out. I have a saying, perfection is an illusion. Mm. I'm an imperfect man right. that is beautiful in all his imperfections. Ah, that's good. I love that. I like that. <laughs> you want to say it again? Uh, yeah, no, no. Per- hit me with that one more time. Perfection is an illusion. I am an imperfect man that is beautiful in all of his imperfections. Mm, that's good. That's good. That, 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 that should, you know, I tell people, everybody has like, you know how you go into a business and you see their purpose mm-hmm. statement on the wall. Yes. I feel yes. like a lot of people need purpose statements and that would be an awesome purpose statement to walk into your home just to remind I'm write that yourself, down you right know? there. I'm going to trademark that joint right there. I'm going to write, make sure I'm going to trademark that joint. No, I mean, I feel like we all need those, those, those cornerstones just to lean yeah. on, to remind ourselves, even when we feel like, you know what, man, I didn't have a perfect day today, but you know what? I'm seeking after an illusion that is not actually attainable. And so if I can recognize that that's not attainable, then I can still find comfort in knowing that I'm not going to be perfect, and that's okay. And let me give you the other side of that coin, if I may. Okay, yeah. The other side of that coin is we wait for the perfect time. Mm. I'm going to do this right when the timing is right. Wow. I got to wait for the perfect time. Wow. You keep waiting for the perfect time, you'll never get anything done. Yeah, you, you stung a lot of us on that one because you're right. You're right. If you continue to wait, there's no such thing. Because if we live in an imperfect world mm-hmm. and we are imperfect beings, well, then tell me, how could we logically have a perfect time? Right, right. It's, it's illogical. Whatever you set your mind to do, do it. Right. And that is to the audience, your audience. Whatever you have in your heart to do, go ahead and do it. Because perfection does not exist. Timing. Now, does it require planning and organization and management? Yes. But start somewhere. I will tell anyone that's listening, start somewhere. Mm-hmm. Because I have, and, and those that are around me know, I don't have to have the outcome. I have the vision. The vision is more important than how it gets done. Because the vision will never, the outcomes and the flow of how you get it done change. Right. The mechanisms change. But the vision doesn't. Right. So, okay, Mike wrote a play. He doesn't have any theater experience. How does he get this done? He just gets it done. He keeps writing. Right. He puts it together. He taps on someone's door, finds the right person, gets an actor on board. Someone reads the script. Someone okays the script. Someone takes that script and gives it to someone else. Now we got momentum. Mm-hmm. But if I would have waited to say, well, I don't have any theater experience. I, I wrote a story. They tell me it's good. I think it's good. But what do I do with it? Then I would be still sitting with this right. word document. <laughs> right, right. And I'll right. give you another case in point. When I wrote the play, I literally had a story in word document. There was no script. It was just I wrote a story. Right. And I said, okay. I took it and gave it to an actor friend of mine who then read it and said, this is good. What I did is I went on the back end and then I went on YouTube and studied what script should look like. I bought about eight or nine books on script writing. I got the free software and plugged this Word document into the software and put all the mechanics in. Mm. And now I had a script. But if I would have waited, all I would have had was just a Word document sitting on my desktop. Right, right. So I will encourage anyone, there is no such thing as perfect timing. Start. 
start somewhere and the pieces will fall in place if you just if you're true to the vision and you believe in the vision no one else has to but you right that's good no that's so important that's so good because you're right there there are some of us who are sitting on things waiting for the perfect timing waiting on the resources waiting on and 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 you know i, I personally <laughs> I, I can say that there are times when i'm like okay god like i i don't know how i'm going to spit this out but I know if I walk in faith and this is something that mm -hmm. you've given me a vision and I put it down because that's important. I write it down. I, I, I draw it out. But I know if you're calling me into this, then I'm going to walk in faith and I'm going to start stepping forward, whatever that looks like. And I know you're going to meet me in the next step. You're going to keep making sure the steps are there. You're going to keep making sure the resources you're going to you're going to align things. You're going to align people in in my in my favor, as I call it, the favor you have on my life to see that this comes out exactly how you want it to see and and where you don't want it to see you'll close doors but you open doors where i need to step where i need to go where you're leading me everything is orchestrated by you the favor of god will put you in places that you could never have imagined mm. with folks who have worked their entire lives to be where you just got mm. think about that yeah there are people who have been working and have trained to be where they are but the favor of God on your life will get you there like an express train. Right. And then what you have to understand, Rob, is not everyone is going to be in your corner because your express train went a little quicker than their yeah. express train. So then you have to deal with that. And that's human nature, right? That's what folks do. Um, and I will say, since we're talking about it, that's what our people do to each other. Right. We, instead of me pushing you forward, if I see Rob moving forward in his gift, I'm supposed to be championing him. Right. Not wondering how he got there. Right. Because the way I see it, the more you wonder, the more I keep moving. Right, right. <laughs> and you can and you'll stay in that spot wondering while I'm down the road. But you know what that does to a lot of us though? And I'm sure you've heard this term. It gives us this this feeling of imposter syndrome when when we're like how, wait a minute. How am, how am I doing? Like, wait a minute. Like, these guys have been doing this for 20 years, and they just reached this level. How is it that I'm here? So I will tell you, that happens to me occasionally. And the way I kind of rationalize it is, I understand that it's not normal. See, I, I, I admit mm. that it's not normal. So I cherish it. So I'm not an imposter. I am who I'm supposed to be. I know it's not normal to write a play out the gate and get the traction that we've gotten. Right. I know that. So I cherish that and say, okay, let me not mess it up. Right, right. <laughs> and those on the outside looking in who are dealing with their own insecurity, right. that's their insecurity to deal with, not mine. Mm, right. But when you recognize that this ain't supposed to be, or this is not what normally happens, you're good with it. Right. You say, okay, I understand it. And you learn how to be a good steward of it. I'm mm. a real good steward of where I'm at now because I do understand that it isn't normal. Right. Right. That's good. That's so good. So then, you know, I got to ask Go now then based on like, like how, you know, because it seems like God is truly giving you a gift. You recognize mm -hmm. that. But even in, 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 in recognizing that you have a gift, mm -hmm. you recognize that things are going well. We still struggle with things. Mm -hmm. And so as you, you know, you know, when you're telling me about all the different hats you wear right now, mm -hmm. what is one of, what is some of your or what is one of your biggest struggles that you deal with now in the midst of all of this that you say, 
you know, it's funny. Sometimes I feel alone in this struggle, oh, yeah. but I recognize yeah. that this struggle is not new under the sun. There, there is an insecurity. There is an insecurity. Um, it's almost like when you accept a position in an organization and you weren't trained for that position, but you got to do the work, right? Mm. You always feel as though someone's going to call you out and because you didn't have that particular training. So for me, one of the biggest struggles that I have now is there is a level of insecurity knowing that I did not study theater, knowing that I don't have that background, knowing that I don't have a a, a following of those in the theater who really know who I am, mm -hmm. right? People see the activity. They see it on the outside. They understand that, wow, this thing is... so. But there's an insecurity because I'm always having to prove myself. Now, the way I flip that around is I have to work twice as hard. And as a man of color, I've been working twice as hard my whole life just to be on the same level as my colleagues in right. the corporate space. So right. it's nothing new for me. Right. So my... My insecurity gets turned on the other side because I have to work hard because no one knows who I am. And let me go back a step. Um, when you consider the fact that I've never taken a writing class in my life, mm. I've never had to take a writing course. Mm. That's where I take the insecurity and say, I'm just gifted. Right. And you have to, to thine own self be true. Right. And say, you know what? That's a gift. I'm good with it. Now, how do I package all of this and make it part of who my brand is, right? Yeah. That is part of my brand. So when I tell my story, I tell it from that perspective. I've never taken a writing class in my life. Right, right. So it's almost like, and I'm sorry because I don't know if all of you have seen 8 Mile, but oh. that last scene where he says, you know what? I did live in a trailer home. I am white trash. Right. And you acknowledge that. Right. So in my, in my world right now, yeah. I never took theater. Right. Yeah. I never took a class. Right. But this is good stuff right here. Right. Because it's naturally. And so I know that it's anointed. Right. And it's gifted. Right. So that's how I. You know, and you know <laughs> what, though? I, I love how you said that because I was just talking to somebody about how, like, you know what? When God is wanting to do something in somebody's life, he's going to do it in a way to where others are like, it doesn't make any sense. There's no way that could have happened. <laughs> there is no way that this guy who has never had all these prerequisites can do what we're doing regularly. Yeah. And, 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 and so in that, people are starting to question, like, well, how? Why? And that is the question. As instead of, and I hate, you know, these are the terms that are out there. Mm -hmm. Instead of being a hater and a naysayer, the question should be, well, what is that person doing mm. that I need to learn? Mm. because there's something that you may be able to learn from me. Maybe all my years in corporate help, maybe my project management skills, maybe my public relations, communication skills bode well for what I'm doing. Maybe mm. I can teach you, right? right? Maybe I can teach the creatives this stuff as opposed to like, what you mentioned. There's no way, man. There's no way, dude. You you had to cheat the system. Who do you know? Right. What have you done? And it's like a lot of times as I tell people, <laughs> man, if you only knew my God and what he can do in your life, like what he could do. And understand, you. I'm not telling you he's going to give you the same script I have because understand, right, exactly. God has written a different story. He's given all of, all of us different gifts. The question is, what is his plan? Right. Aside from what plan do you have that you want him just to bless? God, I want to be a singer. But that clearly was not your gift. But yet you want him to make that your gift so you can do what you want to do 
and want him to go ahead and keep the party going. And, and you know what, Ross? Sometimes um, God will put people in your life. My wife will tell everybody, even if I said I wanted to be a singer, she'll tell you, no, that's not your gift. Right. <laughs> right, right. And you know what, though? Sometimes the people that are closest to us are sometimes the ones that God uses to say, let me remind him what yeah. is his and what's yeah. not his. Yeah. I, I love how people would, and you like, you just hate and no, no, I love you. So yeah. I'm telling you from a space of love that yeah. that is not your gift. Yeah, I think um, I have found this journey fascinating for me in the last um, year, year and a half, um, since the play was written and I've gone through the channels um, because I never stopped moving forward. I don't need to know all the answers. I keep moving the ball down the field. I see that in your office, in your studio, mm -hmm. you have a football helmet of a team here um, that I'm not a fan of particularly, but since I live in this region, I might as well root for them because the better they do, the better we all do. Exactly. That being said... Go Panthers. It, <laughs> he said it, not I. But that being said, sometimes you just got to keep moving the ball down the field. Right. And in life, with whatever endeavor you have, just keep the ball moving. Right. Three yards here, four yards here. Guess what? Three more yards, that's a first down. Mm -hmm. You go three more, four more, five, another first down. Mm -hmm. And it, it gets to me that simple. I just need to keep moving the ball down the field and understand that some drives stall. And you have to recognize when the drive stalls, okay, you punt, you go on defense, and then you go back on offense when it's time to get back on offense. Right. Um, that is how I keep it simple. Uh, just keep moving the ball. If it stalls, you start again. We don't. We we have to learn how to pivot. Ooh, that's good. Yeah, we have that's to learn good. how to pivot. It was, but you know what though? A lot of times our pivots or pivots are stuck in what 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 either is comfortable or what is unknown. True, okay. it, it, it is true, and for most people, that is um, something that impacts them. Um, I'm always stretching myself. I, again, I mentioned my background earlier about uh, the learning and development space. I'm a lifelong learner. I'm going to be a lifelong learner. Right. I'm always going to be learning. I'm always going to be teaching as well. So when you combine those two aspects, um, I'm not afraid to challenge myself. Mm -hmm. I'm not afraid to say, okay, you know what? I thought I had someone that was going to direct the play, but they didn't think much of me. And guess what? I'll direct it myself. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. I, and that's another feather in my cap. Right, right, right. I won't wait. For somebody to, else. I will never wait for someone to do for me what I can figure out or do for myself. Mm, that's good. No, don't, that's don't do good. it. Yeah, because then guess what? You're, you're, like, like you said earlier, you're stuck. You're stuck. Waiting, stuck, waiting on like the perfect time and the perfect person to step out out front to say, hey, look, I can help you with that instead of keeping the ball going. Um, yeah, I have, uh, you know, I have many different sayings, but I can show you better than I can tell you. <laughs> That's one of my favorites. I can show you better than I can tell you. And, well, and what me in trouble a lumber times. <laughs> that too, that too. Uh, but I, I will say, you know, all jokes aside, right. in today's world, there's nothing that if we want to know, we can't learn. Uh, information is only useful if you know how to apply it. You know, we talk about information is power. No, information that is used correctly is powerful, right? You have to learn and then learn how to apply information. Um, I will study. I will buy those books, like I told you before, on Amazon and read these books that at first glance, like, what am I doing? Right. But I'm reading the structure of a play. 
I'm reading the history of Aristotle. I'm reading how a plague became. So I put the work in. Right. It's no different than Kobe or MJ or the greats, right? They put the work in when people are not seeing them. Right. So when they get on the court and they make that shot fading away from the right baseline, it's not an accident. Right. They worked on that shot. Right, right. That, uh, you're, you're right, because you're right. We all sit there and be like, yo, that was a lucky shot. But we don't know the time they That's sit exactly there right. just doing that shot over and over again. As I heard, I think I heard him say one time, I, I spent hours yep. affecting that. Yep. That's good. That's so good. <laughs> that's awesome. No, that's really good. So, so mm-hmm. for any men uh, sure. or women who are listening right now and are just like, okay, so like, how can I... What, what, where is it that I can tap into my gifts? How do I find okay. what what I'm what I'm what what God truly gave to me? Where where like where is it? Because you know all of us are like oh about passion passion and you you're trying mm-hmm. this passion today you're trying that passion today yeah. and there's nothing wrong with that but a lot of times everybody's looking for an understanding on on gifts that lead to their purpose. Okay, and I'm curious your perspective on that. My perspective is that you know what you're gifted at. You know what your natural inclinations are. You may not categorize it as a gift. You may not categorize it as a talent, but it's already there. So, for example, um, let's say in Sunday school you're good with the kids and you're always the one that's organizing the kids, right? Mm. Well, then you have a heart for children. Right. And that could be one of those, right? Right. If every time at work that there is a situation, your colleagues come to you, then maybe your gift is encouragement. Mm. Right. Yeah. If you are the person that in the household where everything is going haywire and then you have to step in and be uh, the referee, then you're the peacemaker. Maybe that is your gift. So your gifts are there. You have to just identify them as such. We look at gifts in this big, you know, this big boom and this big your gifts can be very subtle. And you're talented in that. My wife has a gift of counseling. And she has this bent and leaning towards helping others. She may not call it a gift, but that's what her life's journey has been. She's been always helping people. The career she's chosen has her helping individuals. She has a counseling spirit. So that gift has always been there. On the surface, you may not see it, right? You may not categorize or identify it as such. I would say that what your natural inclinations are, that is the beginnings right. of you identifying your gift. Right. But see, there's so many people that'll, that'll hear that and say, yeah, but I, I think that I think I know what mine is, but mine doesn't pay well or it's not popular or it's not. Right. You, you need to stop right there. OK. Don't chase money. Chase your passion. Because mm. mm. if say, you chase. Say, say it one more time. OK. So All right. Let me go real <laughs> slow. Don't chase money. Chase your passion. Mm. If you chase your passion, you'll be finding your purpose. And when you find your passion, your purpose, if money is what you want, you will get uh, paid for what you are doing. Right, right. No, I agree with that. Matter of fact, I think I said one time yeah. that, that in our purpose, when you, when, you, when you find what your purpose is, when you lean mm-hmm. into what your gifts are and your purpose is, money will chase you yeah. based on your purpose. I, it, I totally agree with that. And, 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 and it will meet you where you're at based on what you didn't believe you could even do. I, I will tell this story. Okay. I won't. Uh, I will keep the names out of it to okay. preserve the innocent. Those that are not here. But um, I had a gift for painting. I like residential painting. Okay. I don't do it as much anymore because I just physically can't do it, and I don't have the time for it. But I would do 
kitchens and living rooms and people's homes, and I would paint for neighbors. And there was an opportunity uh, maybe about five years ago to do a retired NFL football player's home. And the long and short of it was he left me in that home with one of his relatives. And our interaction wasn't smooth. Okay. And I called this individual and said, hey, man, I'm not going to do your house. I'm not going to even do that room. And he asked why. I said, because you all have already told me that you won't be there, that you're going to leave me with this particular individual. And I can tell you now, I will leave your home half-painted. So I walked away of a potential $100,000 or more job because I knew that it wasn't the right fit for me. you got to be able to say to yourself, I will walk away from that. Mm. And I've done that a number of times in my life. I have walked away from opportunities, like I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. but it wasn't the right fit for me. Right. Um, and I knew how it was going to go down. Again, I'm nice. I'm smooth now. I got this nice look on and all that, but I am from the Bronx, and every now and then that will come out. And I told them, I said, before I put a coat of paint on your wall, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm just going to get my stuff. It's not going to happen. Right, right. Not even <laughs> worth the money, man. Nah. Wow. <laughs> no, and you know what? And and, and and that is that is something that a lot of people don't have mm, don't have the desire to, to to see the importance of what situations will do to them outside of the money. Oh, you know what? I can take this. I mean, with that much money, I can see past how this, but it's like, you know, you're putting yourself in a situation where it can be bigger than money. You're now putting yourself in a situation where you're going to mentally, emotionally, (laughs) maybe even physically hurt yourself. You know, Rob, I know we deep on this program here. I know you got a nice smile and you got the nice t-shirt and we got all this stuff here. (laughs) But I'm going to tell it like it is. You're not going to talk to me crazy. Right. Or anyone in your household. Because you have to know yourself. Right. And you put yourself in a situation where you know this can go really bad. <laughs> so I avoid that. I let people know. And I will tell you, my actors, the people that work around me, they know what it is right. when, from the very beginning. Right. I, their expectations are managed from the very beginning. They right. know what to expect. They know what my expectations are. They know what I won't tolerate. And I think that's what we need to do because for me, that's my that's helping me mentally mm-hmm. to stay strong. Yeah. Um. We, I think uh, we talked about it off air. You know, you mentioned uh, the term therapist. I have one as well. And one of the things that we have to do in that is be true all the way up and down. Mm. I'm going to tell you if you want to do business, this is how it's going to be. We can right. come and find a middle ground, but this is what you should know about me. And I tell that to all the people, before you get involved with me, do some research. Right. Talk to the people that are intimate with me and who are spend time with me so that they know that when we decide to work together, what they should know right. and expect. Right. right. Um, I think that saves a lot of heartache, a lot of headache. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for, for everybody. For everyone. Yeah. No, and, and I feel like that's that's truly important. Um, I, I'm, as I sit here, I'm thinking about like certain situations. That, that's so crazy how how literally as you're listening to people's stories, it, 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 it triggers moments where you're sitting there like, yes, you, yes, you are so right because yeah, yeah I, th- there have definitely been relationships that I I foresaw going maybe 
mm-hmm. the long haul. But because of how there were moments where, wait a minute, like wait a minute, like is this is this happening right now? <laughs> And now you look back and you say, wow, like, like I could have just ate that. I could have taken that. I could have moved on and forgave, which I was going to do anyway. Right. But sometimes you have to forgive that person and then say, you know what? In forgiveness. Now I'm going to put a boundary in place now exactly that right. keeps you outside of the box of, 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 of my yeah. love for myself. I love me. And because I care about me. I see that there are moments where your love for me is not like the love I have for myself. And and so I love you from a distance now. I forgive you, and I'm going to move in this direction now. I will say that a part of this journey uh, with mental health and protecting your mental health, your mental well-being, you have to set boundaries. Um, people need to understand what you are good with and what you won't allow. And... I think the term boundary has been, it has been inserted into our vernacular when it comes to mental health over the last 20, 25 years or so. Um, we didn't know it to be a boundary back then. We just like, right. but it is necessary um, for your well-being to establish those boundaries and let people know that this is the line. Mm. Yeah. And... Um, I have found that to be beneficial in my life. Yeah, no, and that's true. But, you know, I would say that a lot of times I've learned that a lot of people have struggles setting those boundaries because Mm -hmm. they haven't done the work to understand why boundaries scare them. That's a good point. I I do agree with that. And speaking of that, uh, one of the things that we espouse wholeheartedly in the play and in talking with the audience is you need to do something, right? And for everyone... Um, and we'll take the play specifically. You just don't sit in a theater and watch this particular play. And by the way, the play is called Stuff Inside My Head. We didn't even talk about that yet, but we'll talk about that later. But that being said, <laughs> you don't sit in the theater, experience the way I've crafted this piece, and leave and say, okay, that was a nice performance. Mm. Because of my background, there is a call to action. And that call to action will be different for every individual. That something will be different, right? It could be calling a therapist. It could be apologizing to a loved one. It could be confessing something. It could be repenting. Whatever your something is, there has to be a call to action. And we encourage people to figure out what that something is. And hopefully, um, and we've heard the feedback where people have made that call uh, through EAP, through contacts, through their therapists, their friends. They've gone and taken the next step. To me, that is the blessing of what we're doing through theater, right. that people are doing something, right. that they're looking at what we're doing on that stage and saying, wow, it brought back so much pain for me. I didn't realize. Um, I had a close friend who attended the premiere in March. Um, he and I grew up together, um, and we lived in Harlem together for many, many years. I knew the story of um, his family member. There were some references in the play that reminded him of those stories, and he after all these years, said to me um, at the end, he said, I had not thought about that in over 30 years. But you reminded me, and I have to deal with it. Mm. And that, to me, was a blessing. Yeah. No. That's, that's, and, it, you know, it's sometimes, it's funny how those situations make it almost like an additional reason. Like, there's some people who are like, you know what, if nothing ever else comes from this, that right there oh, yeah. was one of those moments where it's like, 
That yeah. that was worth every every moment, it every is. hour, every every time spent of, of just the blood and sweat that mm-hmm. went into this play. I, that that was it. That 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 felt good. And you know, Rob, we mentioned this way back in this conversation. We talked about uh, purpose. We talked about achievements. Basically, mm-hmm. we talked about money. Um, and I will be really upfront with the audience. Some people desire for their plays to be on Broadway. That's their goal. That's mm-hmm. their passion. Mm-hmm. That's not mine. Mm. If it happens, okay. Right. My purpose, my passion is that people's lives are changed. Mm. One performance at a time. Right. And if it makes it to Broadway, fine. That's great. But that's not the end or be all. And, it, and knowing that for me is, is liberating. Mm. Right. Right. I can do this play in a community center, right. in a church, in a theater, in a coliseum. It doesn't matter to me as long as people's lives are changed. And that goes back to why are you doing what you do? Right. Are you doing it for the fame and fortune? Okay, well, well that's, that's you. I don't have that. So my agenda is different. Right. Right. No, and that's good. And you know what? It brings it full circle back to even like ministry. Yes. Like you said before, think about how often you go into a church that is all about transforming lives. Right. It's all about that transformation. And a lot of times we think of things from, a, well, I need a spiritual transformation. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you need that spiritual transformation with that mental transformation. Yes. Oh, because yes. I've learned that my transformations happen at the same time. My okay. walks were intertwined. I, I realized just as much as I needed God. I needed to not be the person I had been. I realized that I had come to the end of the rope. And so when I hit that, when I hit that dead end, mm-hmm. there was a call out for God because I was done living. I didn't want to do this, mm-hmm. but I knew it was bigger than just, well, you got to pray more. What I, oh. which is what I heard all my life. Oh. And so even in that, I knew that God needed me to sit in with somebody else and him. Yeah. And that's exactly how my journey started, sitting in therapy with God, mm-hmm. sitting in there where I realized that things had to change and who I had been. I had lost track of my true identity, but God had never lost track of my mm-hmm. true identity. And it was in those moments where I'm like, you know what? I'm so far gone from the person I was. I don't remember what happened. Wow. I don't remember who he was. But God was like, I never forget. And I've already dug this up for you. Mm. So when you look over, you can realize that's why I've been doing that. That's what happened. That that mm-hmm. broke me. That told me I couldn't, I wasn't safe being who I was anymore. That told me my inner child that he had to go ahead and abandon ship. He mm-hmm. had to give up who I had been and who I was truly meant to be. And so like in those moments, I realized how important my mental and my spiritual health were coupled they, together. They go hand you. in hand. They do. And and, and, and and they work together. You don't have to choose one or the other. <laughs> you know, cause, and you laugh because you know that, it's true. That, that is true. You, you've heard they people They work say, in tandem. You, 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 you got to choose. Well, you know, the church doesn't do that. That 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 seems a lot like witchcraft, you know, but we, we pray about those things and we pray those things away. But God's like, but imagine if I just took it from you. Do you know that that you're never healed? Healing mm-hmm. is a journey that yeah. you are on till you die. So if I take that from you, what you gonna do when the next thing comes and that family member comes and does mm-hmm. that thing to you, or that yeah. or that child breaks your heart, you gonna expect me to pray? You gonna pray away everything? No, this is a process. I am beginning to see a shift 
in okay. the quote unquote yes. church where there's a little bit more acceptance of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. therapists um which is good yes um again the age difference right right for my age group it is a harder sell because they weren't brought up that way for the younger generations now what you're starting to see is they have more of an acknowledgement of going to a therapist or getting the help they need. Um, the danger for me that I've seen, again, I'm not a professional therapist whatsoever or mental right. health specialist, but I just happen to be observant, Right, is that now because we have so much information, everything is something. Yeah. Well, no, maybe you don't have attention deficit disorder. Right. Maybe you just need to sit down and put the phone down for a right. second. Right. Yeah, no, that's so good. You know, I'm so, so glad you said so that. So we we have to have a balance there. No, you don't have everything that the book says. Just put the phone down, right? And do your schoolwork, right? You know, and again, I'm not, I'm not discounting um, diagnosed right ailments, but at the same time, there's so much more information now that's being poured out that we it everything never ends. we never ends, right? Right. Um, but I am seeing a shift within um, the church where there's an acceptance of that, and that's good. Um, my job as an artist, as a creative, is to be a disruptor. Mm. And, you know, I'm going to continue to disrupt until people get tired of hearing it. I love it. Because that's what art does. We disrupt. We shake things up. We call things out. Um, you know, I'm a avid reader, and um, James Baldwin is one of my favorites. Um, of all time and you know one of his phrases is to be a black man in america is to be constantly in a perpetual state of anger right um so some of that comes across in the way that i write some of that comes across in the way that i tell stories um because i am in the corporate space so when you look at me when you look at me and you peg me one way you don't realize that I bring all of my life with me into the workplace. Right. So those are the things that I address. You don't understand that when we see another incident on TV, um, mm. right? When we see a George Floyd and we come back to work and you start talking about the meetings and how was your weekend and how was the plants and how the kids growing, you don't understand that I'm bringing that with me. Yeah. So yeah. those are the things that I try to identify that when you talk about the trauma that men of color experience, it's just not, oh, he has to get, he's diagnosed this way. No, there's everything. When I sit in my vehicle at my age and I see a patrol car behind me, there is a checklist I go through mm-hmm. that my white colleague may not even think of. Right. And that is a reality. And that's, that is part of the trauma that we have to experience. Yeah, that's so true. Man, you, hey, look, you, you brought it all the way home. Like, as, <laughs> as we are coming to the, you brought it all the way home. You, you didn't leave no nothing unturned. So you know, ahead. what I'm going to do, Rob, I did bring you a gift. That's I bring, awesome. I brought you the actual um, playbill that I created from the premiere that was back in March of the play Stuff Inside My Head. This is for you. It gives you a background of the story, my actors in there, and it also has resources that people could call. And this is my gift to you wow okay i don't get gifts often but i appreciate that let me i'm I'm, going to showcase my gift there yeah no this is awesome right here and you know who Um, did that you said it whatever you know who did that put that together who yours truly oh okay look at this i I put my own playbill together 
Hey, look, a man like he said, a man with a with a with a with a million hats, and he is not too too big in his <laughs> hat to put together. This is nice. I appreciate this. This is definitely gonna go in my bookcase, right back over there behind my behind my uh, my setup for my my online podcast. So mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Even as my brother Jay in here, I love that. I love that. I love awesome. I love giving people uh, their opportunity to shine, man. And I also love to be an example. And this is just one way of me being an example. Well, no, I appreciate that. I appreciate, yeah. and I appreciate your time today, man. I appreciate I love being you. here. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you joining me. This this this, this was truly a great conversation. <laughs> I don't love all my conversations, but they're all different. Yeah, and they all hit different, and they're just like, whoa, that was like that was. Okay, that just unpacked something that I'm going to have to go now and unpack later on. But, like, sometimes I love how these conversations do exactly what you mm-hmm. do, which is make a person go back and have to think later and say, That's mm, good. That was, that was, that was good. I like, appreciate that. Not only that. does that hit the audience, but when it, when it can hit the person who's hosting the show, <laughs> where it's like, All right, mental note, go back. You're going to have to think about that a little bit more because it, 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 it takes a person kind of shaking things up. Oh. past where you normally think and the perspectives you normally look at to say, wow, I'd forgotten I appreciate that, that Rob. So I really no, do. I, I appreciate you coming and shaking things up today. <laughs> um, um, and I, like I said, I appreciate you taking the time out with all the stuff that you have mm-hmm. going on. So, And I, I truly look forward to coming to your play. And matter of fact, I look forward to even having further conversations with oh, you more about without it. A I doubt. can't wait to do that. Without a doubt. So, um, hey, I thank everybody for coming today. I thank everybody for listening today. Truly great, awesome conversation with my brother Michael. Um, um, I, I'm going to put all his information in, in definitely in the in the captions down in the bottom, so you can you can really tap in with what he's doing, see where 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 his plays are, see where he's doing different things, whether it be just showing up at, at a Barnes and Noble so he can pick <laughs> his mind or whatever the case may be. Hopefully, you can kind of tap in with what he's doing and really see the good work that he's doing in the communities. Um, I thank you guys for showing up. I thank you guys for listening. Look forward to another episode with you guys, all right? Be blessed. Later.